And uh, in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, let me share with you those verses. The scripture says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came as a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. When I read that, I find that uh, three things that it tells me. It tells me, first of all, that John was a man. Secondly, it tells me that John was sent by God. And thirdly, John was to be a witness. And I get to thinking about that, and I want to rephrase it in the Swagger translation. There was a man sent from God whose name is Pastor Josh Wilson. He comes as a witness to bear witness of the light. Pastor Josh is not the light. He comes to bear witness of the light of Jesus. First of all, I want you to know this morning, I want you to think of how God has chosen men. God has chosen men and given them a high calling. Never has there been a higher calling. He's given them a calling for the leading and the nurturing and the caring for His people, the church. God has called a man to come as your new pastor. I often wonder when I read that, though, I wonder why God didn't send an angel. Because, you see, many times that's what a lot of people expect. They think when the new pastor comes, he's an angel. He's perfect. But i got news for you. I wonder why people think that way. Because, you know, I've known a lot of men and a lot of women that have been called of God that have been called to a specific job, but I also know that they're human and they have human tendencies about them and they're no ways perfect. They're no ways an angel. There's always going to be something that they could do better. But God has chosen a man and that tells me that God chooses to work through human instruments. God sent you a man. The second thing is that God has sent you a servant. Now, I thought about that. The Bible says, and God sent. That tells you that this man is sent by God. And that he is given an authority of God. And as so, God has given you a pastor that will have authority. Authority. Whose authority? Not his authority, but the authority of the Word of God. And when he stands in this pulpit, he has the authority to preach to you what this Word says. And you must obey it. This is the call of God upon this man. And so God gives you a pastor with authority, authority of the Word. And then God sends you a man with a witness. This is to tell you that God has chosen to use human instrumentality, human, a man that has human limitations. You see, there's some things we can't do. But He sent him with the authoritative position. He has sent you a man with a great message to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all the world. 
That there's nobody that will walk through these doors. There will be nobody that will sit in these pews that is unsavable. God has sent you a man that will preach that word that will draw people. Now I want to share with you four Ps of this man that God sent to you. First of all, I want you to know that he's going to be a preacher. He's always going to be a preacher. He's going to be a preacher. He preaches, and as preachers are very important people. Because without them, how would the Word go out? And so when I begin to think about this, you know, and he has a role as a preacher, he is declared to preach the whole counsel of God. Now when I thought about that, he is sharing the Word of God. I think the Word that Jesus read that day when he went to the temple, the first time that he went to the temple in Nazareth, and on that day when he stood up in the temple and he began to quote Isaiah's prophecy. And if you look for it, you can find it in Luke chapter 4. But he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to preach deliverance to the captive. He has sent me to open the eyes of the blind and set at liberty those that have been bruised and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, let me tell you, Jesus wasn't the only one that was given that be, being sent. You see, every pastor, every preacher, my friend, every minister is called that is called of God has the same Spirit upon them. So when Josh stands here next week, remember that God has sent him to Bar's Mills. That God has sent him to do the ministry. God has sent him to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent him to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent him to preach deliverance to the captives. He has sent him to open the eyes of the blind and set at liberty those that are bruised and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Every poor has been accepted, even the poor, not just anyone. You know, when I begin to think about Jesus' writing of this and preaching of this, you see, there was a reason for this. These were signs of a king. When a king would come, not just to preach to certain people, but to all the people. Josh's responsibility will be to preach from the youngest to the oldest. To be able to proclaim the Word, and not just to the scribes and the Pharisees, but to all who would believe, not only the Jews, but to the Gentiles and to the end of the earth. And so the minister that stands in this pulpit as a man called of God is to preach. And he has been sent to preach the gospel to all men. He has been sent to preach the gospel to every woman, every boy, every girl, these young people, these children that she had up here. Josh's job is come to preach to them and to give them the knowledge of what God can do in their lives. And so he will come for that reason. Not only that, but your pastor has been sent to heal not only the broken physically, but the broken spiritually. Think about that. You see, your pastor is sent to bring healing to the body, to the mind, to the emotions, and primarily to the soul. And so when God calls a man, when God calls us to preach, I want to tell you something, when souls need to find healing and rest for their body, will it, my friend, when they, find the, when they find salvation for their soul, the rest of the body will take on a new form. 
The rest of the body will do something that will begin to get better. It means that we have not only physical eyes, but we have spiritual eyes. We have intellectual eyes. He come to open the eyes of the blind, to proclaim. That one will proclaim the word of the Lord, my friend, that will open the eyes of the blind. Now, when I begin to think about that, it's not just anointing and, and, and healing the eyesight that we may be able to see physically, which God can do and God calls us to do. I never back away from praying for anybody on the name of Jesus and anointing with oil because I know what my God can do. But God doesn't always just heal physically. I want you to know that He also heals in other ways. You will see things that you've never seen before. He will open your eyes to understanding. He will open your eyes to comprehension. He will open your eyes, my friend, to a new dimension because God has called and sent you a man who will continue to lead you as you have been led by others down through the year. He is just a continuation of the ministry here. He is sent, my friend, for the continuation of the ministry of Bars Mills Church to reach not only the people that sit in these pews, but to reach people out through Sugar Creek and in the surrounding areas in our community. Because God has sent him for that reason. I like the part where he says he sent him to preach deliverance. That means people that have been bound in sin. Those that have been held back in sin. Those who have not put their faith out there and believe that somehow that under the anointing of the Spirit that God will deliver people from sin as He preaches against sin. And sin will no longer hold them back. He come to proclaim, my friend, to be de- that these people can be delivered by the authority of Almighty God. He will preach indeed. He will be a preacher indeed. He will preach, my friend, that, that men and women will be healed. That means that the bruised, those that have been bruised, will be set at liberty. And when I get to think about that, the preaching of the Word does that. People who have been hurt, that's what he's talking about. The person that feels hurt, that feels like nobody cares, that feels like I've been abused, He's going to be able to preach to them under the anointing of the Spirit that God is able to bring healing to those that have been hurt. He's going to be able to preach, my friend, to those who have been misunderstood. You know, we got people sometimes that are just misunderstood. They're good people. They mean the right thing. They just don't do it the right way or say it the right way. And sometimes they get offended and sometimes they feel like nobody cares and God doesn't care. But you see, God has sent you a man that's going to be able to bring healing to those that are even misunderstood. That He will bring understanding to them that they'll be able to know people that have been in bondage. You see, bondage doesn't always come. Most bondage comes from yourself. Most people are not held in a prison somewhere. They're not held under the hand of some ruler. Most people today that are in bondage are on bondage to themselves because they feel, I can't get free. This thing has got a hold of me. I've got this habit. I can't get rid of. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares. Nothing I do is right. You see, we're going to be able to say, this man can say to you, if you'll come to Jesus, you can be lifted out of that bondage and you can believe in yourself because God will bring healing and bring you out of bondage. What a wonderful calling the pastor has. But also what a tremendous responsibility. What a responsibility we have. I want us to look at chapter, in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, verses says this. Paul says, He gave some apostles, He gave some prophets, and some pastors and teachers. 
And so why did he give them? Then he goes on to say, for what? For the perfecting of the saints. <laughs> you know, sometimes you think, well, you got saved and sanctified and everything's very, and you don't go any further. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that the preacher has been called and sent for the perfecting of your life, for the perfecting of the saints. And not only for the perfecting of the saints, but for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Your pastor, my friend, is a gift from God. It's not somebody that some board chose. This board worked long and hard. I sat with them in many, many years. And many times they looked at people, they looked at names, but let me tell you something, they prayed and said, God, show us the man or the woman that you want, that you called to Bar's Mills. You see, when we do that, God will work in a mighty way, and God is going to work in a mighty way. Now, on the other side of the coin, not only does God give, not only does He give pastors good congregations, and Josh is going to receive a good congregation, a congregation, my friend, that, that is working together, that is willing to work and serving with Him and laboring with Him, knowing that Almighty God has impressed upon Him to become the leader of this congregation. But I want you to also know that God doesn't just give pastors good churches. Or churches good pastors, but He gives pastors good churches. And so not only are you going to get a good pastor, but He's going to get a good congregation. And that's when I believe that the marriage comes between the pastor and the congregation. And when that marriage comes together... And we begin to work together and we work for the further kingdom of God. We look for the furtherance of the kingdom. We look to take care of one another. Let me tell you, great things can happen. The pastor does more than just preach, though. He cares for his people. Any pastor that's been called of God is going to care for his people. You know what that means? He's going to nurture you. He's going to feed you. And sometimes when you get that food, you're going to be like many of us as we were growing up. There's some things that you like, and there's some things you don't like. There's some things you need to learn to like because it's healthy for you. And that's the way it is in the Word of God. You're going to have times when you're going to preach things, you're going to say, ah, I don't know about that. But my friend, if you'll digest it, if you'll listen to it, if you'll let it work in your life, let me tell you something, it'll help you to grow. Because the Bible says that He sent Him not only to nurture you and feed you, but I want to tell you another thing He does, He protects His people. The pastor's going to protect your people. Let me tell you something. When somebody makes a rumor, somebody has something to say, let me tell you something. Now, many a times when I've heard people talk about people, I'd say, oh, oh, I know that person. you got the wrong person. you got the wrong name, the wrong identity. You see, the pastor's going to protect you. He's going to visit you when you are sick. He's going, to, he's going to be there, my friend, when you are discouraged and downtrodden. And He's going to give you a word of encouragement. He's going to help you Sunday after Sunday. That's going to help you get through not only this week, but next week and the next week because He's going to be there to encourage you. He's going to be there to help you. Now, another role that a pastor plays is not only as a preacher, but he's going to be, plays the role of a priest. You know, a lot of people don't understand that. But you know what Peter said in First Peter 2 and 9? Peter said, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people who should go forth for the glory of God. He has transformed you out of the city of darkness into the kingdom of His own Son. And He gave some of you a priest. 
Now, I thought about that. You know, when, when, when you talk about being a priest, you know what a priest does? When you begin to think about this, you know, it means that he's going to give you a distinguished person among you. This pastor is not going to be just a common man. He's not going to be just an anybody. He's going to be a distinguished, called man of God. And when he who distinguishes him, the Bible says that he's going to have the authority of God. That's what distinguishes him. Now, I didn't say his authority. I said the authority of God. But you see, when your leader, my friend, is in the midst of you, you know what a priest does? A priest brings God to the people and people to God. That's what the priest's practice does. And so God's called and given His man a, a duty to become the priest among you. Some of the priestly functions is that when you converted and you've made your life right with God and you come to that day of baptism, it's the pastor. It's, he does this priestly function. He baptizes you. When one of you have a beautiful little baby that comes into your family, this man's going to be the priest. One of the functions is he's going to dedicate that baby. He's going to do other priestly functions. When it comes to the day when we stand and we have holy communion before us, he's going to serve to you communion. That's a priestly function. And so you see, when this man comes, he comes, my friend, as a distinguished, as a priest. The priestly function is there, my friend. He's going to do these things because God has sent him to do those. Another role he's going to have is not only a preacher and a priest, but he's going to be a promoter. Let me tell you something. I believe. You see, this man in our day is called the administrator. Some people say it's the boss around here. Okay? He's going to become... Uh, an administrator. He's going he's to be a promoter. Acts tells us in 20 and 28, take heed unto yourself, pastor. You know what he's talking about? He's saying, listen, Josh, when you read this, take heed unto yourself as a pastor. But also, he says, unto the flock, which is the church of God, which you, I've made you an overseer to feed the church of God that I have purchased with my own blood. You see, as a promoter, he's going to be one that's going to do that. You know what the overseer does? The overseer is the man who has to give an account to God for what happens here. For 15 months, I have been your overseer. I will give an account to God what happened over the last 15 months. When I face God, I'm going to give an account for the last 15 months. Because you see, that's what an overseer is. Take heed first to Himself, and then to everyone that worships here. And God has given you a devoted promoter to, to do that task. So Josh will become that. Then there's finally the, the fourth P. And that is the one that, uh, the last one that I want to share with you, and that is a prophet. You see, not only is he going to be a preacher, and not only is he going to, you know, uh, be a promoter and be a priest, but he's going to be a prophet. And when I thought about that, you know, do you remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist when I opened? Listen to what He said. He said, there's never been a greater prophet that has come from the womb of a woman than John the Baptist. That's saying a lot about a man. But you know what the Bible goes on to say? But He is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Wow! When I read that, I begin to think, think about that. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest thing that ever came from the woman, from a womb of a woman, the greatest child that was ever born. But then he goes on to say, 
the least, the youngest, the one that's a brand new Christian, is even greater than John the Baptist. You know that your new pastor is greater than John the Baptist? Now, you know why? Because, you see, since, since John's day, Jesus has died. Since John's day, I want you to notice that we are greater prophet because of this. Do you know that the minister of the church of God here in Bars Mill is greater than John the Baptist? That means that your pastor is going to be greater than John the Baptist. And there's a reason. The reason is that we have a greater message. We have a greater message than what John preached. We know that we can be saved. We know that we can live a holy life. We know that we have the assurance of heaven. And so you see, we have a greater message than John did. John was just teaching baptism. Let me tell you something. Baptism don't do you a bit of good if you still got sin in your life. We have a message that tells you you can be delivered from sin. We have a Holy Spirit that wasn't there. You see, the Holy Spirit, since John's day, no wonder he said the kingdom is greater, even the least is greater than John. With a greater experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the church with greater power, with greater knowledge, with greater concepts, with greater truth, with greater gospel to proclaim, your pastor will be greater than John the Baptist. and He will come today and he will come next week to, pro- pro- to become that leader that God has called him to be. Now, the, listen, the, the priest deals with the, with the intellectual, the mind of man. The promoter deals with the body, the physical thing that keeps him busy. There are many, many. Let me tell you something. There are many, many, many today churches that have good promoters. I mean, there's churches all around this land that has promoters that will grow numbers. But that's not a sign that that man or that woman's called of God. A promoter's not enough. I can't just promote. Because you see, there's many people who have skills and techniques and personalities that can cause people to, to want to be a part of them rather than be a part of God. The promoter that God has called will do more than work with his hands, will do more than just programs of men. God's minister is a prophet. The difference between a priest and a prophet is the prophet stands in the pulpit and says, Thus saith the Lord. When your pastor stands and says, this is what the Bible says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to say that, that, that I am here to preach. And not only to preach what Brother Schwaber wants to preach, not only what my ideas is, but we are to pro- preach to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That means we have to preach it all. And so I want to say to you this morning, he's a preacher of all the world. But listen to me, church. Never be satisfied with only a priest. Never be satisfied with one that can just do the functions. Never be satisfied or content with a minister that's only a promoter. Never be satisfied with just because he's able to stand there and preach and and make sense out of what he has to say. But my friend, I believe today that you need to know that when he stands in the pulpit that he has prayed and heard from heaven and he's all of these and more. That's what it's all about. He did not, Jesus was not crucified because of the way he served communion to his disciples. He, he didn't, he didn't, wasn't crucified because of the way he taught as a teacher. He didn't get crucified because of the way he dealt with his disciples. They crucified Jesus because he said, thus saith the Lord. 
And I want you to know that when the preacher stands, there's going to be times, my friend, when he stands and there's going to be people that's going to say, I'm not sure I believe everything he says. I'm not sure I believe everything that he's preaching. Let me tell you something. If it's from the Word of God, you've got to believe it. And you've got to live up to it. You have a man that has been sent to God with human limitations. This young couple that will be coming to this church, my friend, they'll have human limitations. You know what you need to do? You need not to straighten them out. You need to pray for them. Okay? You need to pray for this new man that's coming. You have a man that has been sent by God. That means he has authority. You know what that means when he has authority? That means you ought to respect him and support him because God sent him here not to do what I've done, not to do what somebody else has done, but God has something new for you. That's why he sent him. You see, God sends them for that reason. You have a man that is coming from God with a witness. And you know that witness that he has of the Word. When the Bible says, when the Word and the Spirit come together, he's a witness. You need to become part of that witness. You need to live like he lives and preach what he preaches and walk the way he walks. Because you see, that's what God's called him to do. You have a man that's been called to be a witness, and you must share in that witness. Great will it be when the wedding comes together between a pastor and a congregation. The greatest thing is, is when it comes together and the Spirit of the Almighty God is there. It is then that you become the holy nation. It is then that you become with a holy message and a holy people and you have a holy relationship and bring people to that relationship of Jesus Christ together. doesn't happen by Himself. Blessed is the congregation of the people who pray for Him, who support Him, who serve Him. And if you do this, my friend, this church will explode because that's what God's intent is. When I begin to think about this last Sunday and think about this new couple coming, what a wonderful opportunity. There's no end to where God will lead you in the days to come. There's no end to where it will be. I barely and I will look back and hear and say things and we we'll say, man, I'm so glad that we were there. We, we had a part in that. We've seen this young couple come and we know that he's under the anointing of God and he's going to do a great work. We can look back and say, oh, how thankful we are that that church is going forward. So I'm praying that God would lead your new pastor. I'm praying that God will lead you to listen and be obedient and do the best you can. You need to visit every week. You need to talk to people every week. When you look around the auditorium and you see people are missing, bring them in. Call them. Tell them. You need, he needs that support right off the bat. And I believe that when a new pastor comes, it's the greatest time for the church to get into a mood of revival. I believe revivals are still real. I believe they still happen. And sometimes when that new man comes, and people come just to see him, and God's anointing is upon him, and the Spirit begins to move into those pews, it will convict hearts. It will bring those that are hurting, those that are bruised, those that are wounded, those that have no confidence in themselves. It will bring them to a knowledge of what God can do in their life. And they'll accept the Lord. This morning, I want to do something different. This morning, as we close out this service, I'm going to ask that the deacons and the elders come and stand at this altar. If you're on one of those boards and you're here this morning, I want you to come. Because what I want to do, and I also want our executive to come. Because I'm going to tell you something, Lynn, in that office is going to make a difference. 
And so I'm going to ask them to come this morning. And I want to anoint these altars. I want to anoint this pulpit. I want us to pray that God would send a Holy Ghost revival upon Bars Mills Church that people begin to talk about throughout the whole movement. They'll say, did you hear what's going on over there? And they'll want to come and be a part of it. So I'm going to ask you now, everybody stand, and I'm going to ask our elders and our, our, our deacon board if they'll come. They're here this morning. I want you to come and, and come to these altars, and, and we're going to anoint. We're going to, we're going to anoint the pulpit. We're going to anoint the altars. And we're going to have a prayer that God's mighty hand of movement would be upon this congregation. And we're going to ask you to do it today. Let me just... As they're coming, I want to anoint this altar. And I want to anoint this pulpit because I believe when Josh stands here and proclaims the Word that God's power and presence would be there. I wonder this morning, with, uh, if you would, just reach to the person next to you and hold their hand. Let's bring this thing together as a unity of God's Spirit upon this congregation. Father, this morning as we stand in Your presence. I did. I grabbed up with them. I'm sorry. As we stand this morning in this place, God, we pray that You would would identify the anointing that we put upon these altars this morning. We pray that the mighty power and Spirit of God would touch this altar Lord, as we've anointed it this morning, we pray that there will be hearts that will kneel here. Lord, that have been broken and those that have lost loved ones and those that are lost themselves. Lord, that in this coming days, in this new leadership, Lord, that souls would be saved and bodies would be healed and and, and saints would be sanctified. And Lord, that we would see the mighty power of God to move up and down these aisles. Father, we pray this morning that for every person that will kneel at this altar, Lord, whether they kneel and ask for prayer or whether they kneel and they want to pray alone, Lord, that this would be a place where they can weep and cry and seek God. And Lord, that You will move upon this congregation, that You will release people, Lord, when they come and kneel at this altar. Help them, Lord, never to be afraid to come to the altar and, Lord, to meet You there. Because, Lord, we know that's where You're going to meet them. And then, Lord, we pray for this pulpit that sets before us today. We're thankful today that in many churches they've taken the pulpits out, but thank God that Bars Mill still has a pulpit, a center, a place of where in the center of everything in this church that is done, Lord, that is hanged from this place. It comes from this pulpit over this message, Lord. We pray that the Holy Spirit would anoint our brother. Lord, that when he stands here, it will not just be him speaking, but it will be the power and the presence of Almighty God that will move down upon this congregation. Father, we pray that You would be with uh, Josh and his family as they travel from Pennsylvania to Ohio. Lord, we pray that You would give them traveling mercies. Lord, that they would be able, everything would work together and Lord would come simple for them and they would be able to move into this community and feel the love of this congregation and feel the love of God and realize, Lord, that they had been called And Lord, look for great and mighty things. We pray for a Holy Ghost revival, Lord, to touch hearts and lives. Now, Lord, we pray for these that are working on these boards that will work hand in hand, side by side with this new leader. Oh, God, we pray that they'll be open-minded. Lord, they'll be able to pray for him. They'll be able to help him. They'll be able to take his hand and say, I'm with you all the way because God has sent you to be our leader and to have authority among us. 
Oh God, we pray right now that You would just bless this congregation. And Lord, may we hear great and mighty things from the kingdom because, Lord, You have been here today and have listened to what we have challenged our folks with. Now, Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You. And we're looking forward to great things in the days ahead. But we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song together.